Hey, Realtors. If you're listening to this right now, it means you're serious about your business. Remember, if you need a little help implementing any of the strategies you hear on this podcast, go to boarddigital.com and book a time to talk. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Real Marketers Podcast. On today's episode, we interview Wes Foster, a U.S. military veteran, family man, and CEO of WestFed Marketing, an ad agency specializing in brand management for real estate agents. Tune in as we discuss how you can build a flourishing digital presence from scratch, what separates high-achieving realtors from the rest of the pack, and the importance of focus to achieve maximum output. I'm Oliver Bohr, and this is The Real Marketers Podcast. Okay, Wes, thank you very much for joining us today. We're really happy to have you here. Thank you for being on the show. Absolutely. Uh, can, you pl- can you please tell us a little bit about yourself and your journey of how you became an ad agency owner? Sure. So I've been an ad agency owner for over 10 years. I started my company, WestFed, back in 2008. Um, prior to that, I worked as a developer for multiple companies. Uh, that was, that's always been my bread and butter is just the development uh, side of things. Um, but at the time, I was working remotely for this media company out in Florida. I'm in the Nashville, Tennessee area. And uh, I worked with them for about a year or two, but it got to the point where they didn't have enough work available, really. So we kind of parted ways, uh, you know, mutual agreement, everything was good. And I decided to start my own company. So uh, I got into, you know, webs. I've always been into website design, development, those sorts of things. Um, So that's what I started my company as. And I started the company, uh, it's called WestFed Multimedia at the time. And we would do a lot of that one-off projects, websites here and there, but we'd also do kind of everything, you know, like our clients were, as you probably heard, a dog's breakfast. Yeah. We would do everything, uh, you know, PSD to CSS conversions. I mean, every, everything. We yeah. Do no, I know how it is. Um, but over the course of about two years, I was able to build up a good steady flow of clientele. Uh, you know, people were happy. We had good projects in our portfolio. I had a team. Uh, we were growing and everything was looking good. And uh, about that time, I had this, this strange calling to just go join the military. And I didn't want that to be, you know, I had all these things. I felt like I had all these things going for me. I got the business, got the team, everything's, you know, rocking and rolling. But I didn't want to, you know, grow old and one day wish I had. And I figured, okay, now, now is probably the best time to do it. So I just up and did it. And I didn't So while, join, just to confirm, while you were a business owner, you went off and joined the military. Yeah. Yeah. That's I so didn't sell the business. I didn't close the business or nothing. We continued. Uh, I just, you know, I told my team, I'm like, Hey, I'm going to go do this thing. Let's, let's keep rolling. You know, I'll probably be out of touch for, for a while, but you know, you guys got this, we got all that stuff established. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't want to, I didn't want to go in the army as anything in it. Cause then to be honest, I was kind of looking for a break. Yeah. Uh, from the code and, you know, from all these different things. So I joined as an infantryman. So my job was, you know, run gun and carry heavy stuff. And that's what it did. I uh, went through basic training, the whole thing. I uh, got assigned to the 101st Airborne Division and got deployed to Afghanistan immediately after. There was really no time ever to just sit down and catch my bearings. Um, but every chance I got to get on the phone or get on the computer, I would just, you know, reach out to my team and uh, see how things were going. And, yeah. you know, I did that for about four years, the whole, the whole time I was in 
the army. It got it got better once I got back from Afghanistan. It was a little easier because in, in the evenings I could go back home and you know do a little bit of stuff there, but not a whole lot of growth there. But we sustained it enough to where when I did get out of the army, I was able to jump straight back into right. it. Right. Well, I've I've heard of multitasking. I've heard of working two jobs. I think this kind of takes that to another level, though. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was it was hard because when you're infantry and you're deployed, you're, you, you work nonstop. Right. When you're infantry and you're stateside, you train nonstop. But it's a lot of the same, you know, repetitive trainings over and over again because you want to get better at what you're doing. Right. But it was, it got to the point where it was, you know, doing these different training exercises over and over and over again. In the back of my mind, I'm like, oh, I need to call this client. Oh, I need to do this. It just kind of got to me to where, you know, at the end of my, my four-year initial agreement in the Army, I was like, okay, I need to, uh, I just need to either stay in the Army and do that 100% or I needed to get out and do my business 100%. So I yeah. chose to jump back into business. Did you find that some of the skills that you learned in the military transferred over to being an agency owner or I suppose entrepreneurship and business ownership in general? Uh, yeah, definitely. I learned a lot in the army. A lot of personal growth happened in the army, but also professional. I got to see, I mean, the army is a huge organization, probably one of the largest in the world. And you can think of it, it's kind of like a business and just how they have people and places and, and roles and, you know, all these different things. So I learned a lot about structure right. in the army, not so much about efficiency, you know, just because it's government, but I learned a lot about structure. And I mean, with that many people, so many different kinds of people from every background, belief, religion, race that you can think of, right? Yeah. The army has everyone. And in the army, none of that matters. Everybody's green. You would give your life for your brother or sister because they would do the same for you. And that's one thing I have not been able to find outside of the military in business. Um, Is that the same sort of selflessness? Like, like they really are. Right. hundred percent. Yeah. Everyone always has an agenda, you know, yeah. in business. Uh, you go to networking events, you know, like BNI, I think is a good example yeah. where you go there to, you go there to get referrals, but the idea is you go there to give referrals. But I guarantee you no one's going to go to BNI if they aren't going to get some out of it, you know, or they'll leave. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, for sure. And I'm not saying that's bad. I'm just saying that level of selflessness that's in the army, uh, I think there's a lot to be learned there um, for everyone in all kinds of different situations. Um, right. But yeah, a lot. I took a lot from the army. So when I did get out, I went back into business and we continued doing you know, a lot of one-off projects, but it was at a larger scale. You know, the team got larger. We started, instead of just building small websites, we started building web applications. So we would work with startups in Silicon Valley and Texas and New York, and we would help build their applications and market them to investors. So we'd help them pitch to investors, get that initial funding so they could grow, you know, what it is they're trying to do. And, uh, you know, I took a lot from the army with how I structured the team there and how we were able to just get a whole lot of stuff done. Right. And we continued that down that path for a couple of years until it got to the point because we were doing two things. Again, we were doing a lot of engineering and programming, but we were also doing marketing. Right. So it kind of got to the point kind of like it did in the army where my mind was always in two different places. Yeah. No, I hear that. Correct me if I'm wrong. I feel like this niche that you're talking about right now where you're trying to help startups get that investment, that initial investment. 
it's it's it seems like it's very targeted and there would be a lot of repeatable processes within that am i correct there are we had a lot of processes on how we would do things um but at the same time i just found i found the programming side hard to scale right yeah. developers are expensive and people that you know companies or startups they need to have this money and they rely on the investors to get it and i just felt found difficulties in scaling it so it got to the point where I had to decide, you know, do we want to be a programming company or do we want to be a marketing company? You know, kind of like what it was in the army. So I made the decision that we're going to go marketing. Yeah. We were doing a lot of that anyway. I found it easier to scale and we were still able to retain some of the team because there's, there's still development and engineering involved in marketing. Right. Yeah, no, for sure. We, we build a lot of automation and systems and processes and things like that for ourselves to make things more efficient. Um, but yeah, I think it was around 2015, 2016, I decided we're just gonna do, we're gonna go with marketing, we're 100% marketing, we're not gonna work with startup uh, companies anymore. That's what we're gonna do, and that's what we've been doing ever since. Right, well I'd imagine also the, the skills that you had from the software and the engineering and everything trans, transferred over quite nicely, right? Like you're targeting marketing in terms of the product that you're selling, but I'd imagine that everything you learned up to that point, even though you're not necessarily selling it anymore, sort of empowered you and enabled you to take that marketing to another level. Oh yeah. It's like that with everything. Everything that you do is built on because of what you've done before. You know, you could be an auto mechanic and then you then start building websites and you can take things, you know, if you reflect and you think on it, you can take things from that and apply it to everything in life. So right. you know, what I'm doing right now is only setting me up for what I'm going to be doing next, whatever that ends up being. Yeah. I was watching a video uh, last night with Dennis Yu. Um, his name is mentioned a very lot on my podcast. Um, mm -hmm. And somebody was asking him, like, let's say you're going down one way. He's the CEO of Blitzmetrics, which is an ad agency. Let's say you're going yeah. down one way and then you decide to kind of take another skill or you decide maybe let's say video editing, you're doing a lot of video editing and you decide that's not necessarily hundred percent for me anymore. And then I want to try to do this instead. So he said, I think the question to Dennis was, is that advisable or how do you kind of take that step back or, or should you, would you advise against taking that step back to which his response was very simple, but very profound in that learning new skills is never a step back, right? right. Like that's sort of what it is, is that you can change course, but you're never walking, you're never going backwards. Right, like mm -hmm. I heard this very famous thing is that life is a downwards escalator that if you're not going forwards, you're going backwards. And obviously there's an element of truth to that, but it's not necessarily true. Like if you're doing nothing and you're not being proactive, then fine, maybe. But learning a new skill has never kind of taken you back. It may not be, you maybe you're changing course a little bit, but you're never going backwards. So um, yeah. Thing. yeah, uh, I think a lot of things are like that too. Um, anything, anything, I mean, in life, you're, if you're doing nothing, because the status quo is improving, right? You are, you know, by relation declining in whatever it is, whether it's right. a skill or you know, fitness, it really doesn't matter. If you're doing nothing, you are declining. Right. Um, so there's a certain level of effort you have to put in, even to just maintain. So learning a new skill, even if it's unrelated, it's still an improvement, and you can you can use a lot in college. So I went, I got my bachelor's in computer science, and then I was debating on what to do after that. And I decided to get, I was gonna start a second bachelor's in accounting, accounting and finance. Yeah. So I started down that path and decided that, you know, you know, cause I had different, different goals and different ideas. 
um, because I just I just love to learn. Right? I just I wasn't sure if I wanted to get my master's, so I was like, I'll just get another bachelor's. But ended up just getting a master's anyway, project management. But the mindset is always be looking to learn. You know, if I got a second bachelor's, would that help me in anything? Probably, probably not on the scale of, you know, you must have a master's. Not like his currency. Yeah. But the idea, I mean, I took what I took from the little part of accounting that I did before I stopped that and then went to pursue my master's. Right. I learned a lot from that that I can apply into, you know, business, obviously. Right. Every, every little thing you do, I think compounds and builds upon itself. You just have to always be learning something. Yeah. Well, first off, I, I want to thank you that the answer to the first question involved the military. Cause I knew you went to the military beforehand. And if you were going to be humble about it and not bring that into your answer, I was definitely going to force you to talk about that a little bit. So thank you for not making me. Um, so it's very exciting having someone like you on a show willing to share your expertise. So you work primarily with realtors at the moment and you have um, some experience speaking in brokerages and sort of teaching them, providing insights to realtors into how to manage your brand in a way that goes quite a bit deeper than just posting on your social media, because like, that's just what people are told to do. And I find that that happens a lot. So what do you think is the biggest reason that social media is such a misunderstood opportunity? And what do you think is a change in perspective that would allow people to better leverage this opportunity? I think the reason social media is misunderstood is the same way, the same reason that search engines are misunderstood, right? In the early days of search engines, uh, to get your website ranked, all you had to do was stuff a whole lot of keywords hidden on the page and you rank for it, okay? So people get an idea of how things are in the beginning. So social media back in the day, you know, how it started, it was just, you know, friends and like it was this thing, it was a side thing and then it evolved into Oh, you can use it for your business. And people started just posting. It's all about posting just random, random content. Yeah, right. And, but now as search engines have evolved and as uh, social media platforms have evolved, it's not so much about qual- quantity yeah. as much as it is about quantity. So a big metric that uh, social media platforms use to see the value of the content is engagement. So it's really good to, to focus on engaging content versus just lots and lots and lots of content. Right. Like it's, it's, I see that quite commonly is that, is that they know that they have to post and the way that it's actually described. I I see a lot of social media agencies uh, um, advertising themselves. And I even think that they kind of miss, they're not getting the misunderstanding is that they say to people like you were told to post and you're posting every day, yet you're confused why there's no engagement. And I think Mm -hmm. that they're right in what they're saying, but I don't think that they're right in, people are confused. I think people are not expecting there to be engagement because like they know just posting something for the sake of posting something might not necessarily do anything. So I think people know that it's not going to do anything for them. They're just not sure what else to do. Do you think that, do you think that people have that sort of uh, I wouldn't call it a misconception. Do you think that people know that what they're doing is pointless, but they just don't know how else to go about it? Yeah. Well, I think there's a lot to be said about posting consistently, right? Um, you know, that's a big part of it. Big part of the algorithm is posted consistently. And there's a lot to be said about staying top of mind. Um, the more people see your face, whether they engage with you or not, it does help you in that way. So it goes back to whatever the, the realtor's goals are. But there are a lot of realtors that they'll just, uh, you know, post a house every single day. Yeah. Or whatever they're doing, they'll post, you know, a little about me, just little things every single day. And it goes nowhere. 
and it's, it's really because people don't go to Facebook to buy things. Right. Right. If you go to Amazon, you're going to buy something. Right. Even Google. Yeah. You even find Google. an answer. Yeah. Finding an answer, but people don't go to social media for the same reason. They don't go there to, you know, I see ads all the time, pressure washing, you know, I'm not, <laughs> yeah. I don't go to Facebook to get someone to pressure wash my driveway yeah. and I'm just going to keep scrolling and they're going to keep spending money. Right. Right. It's not the reason people go there for connections. So, you know, to connect with their friends, to meet new people, to see what's going on, to see news, things like that. That's why people go there. So I think what I do with real estate agents is I, I help them build their personal brand. And we do a lot of this through Facebook and through Instagram and LinkedIn and places like that. Yeah. Because no one is going to buy a house from a random stranger. So right. the way we do things is we help introduce this, the, the real estate agent to their target audience in a way that's strategic and focused and helps build a connection. Not necessarily, Hey, this house is for sale. Hey, I'm a realtor. Hey, call me if you have real estate needs. So a lot of people say, yeah. call me for your real estate needs, whatever <laughs> that means. Uh, but it's all about, we focus on helping our real estate agent clients build relationships at scale. And that's what I see social media being a big, uh, powerful, uh, player, you know, big, powerful tool for is not necessarily, you know, Hey, here's what I ate, but it's communing at, communicating with people at scale. Right. And, you know, and there's ways to do it where you can communicate only with your target audience, but you're doing all this at scale. It's like going to an in-person networking event mm -hmm. and talking with all these people every single day, letting them get to know you. Um, but you're doing it for, you know, essentially a dollar a day on Facebook. Right. So it's interesting that the example that you gave is, Hey, here's what I ate. But I even think that that's a step up from just posting, let's say an article about, well, I mean, if you're posting, let's say an article about like astronomical house prices in your area, then maybe that might be something that interests people. But if you're posting about like how to know if you have asbestos in your home, like I think even posting, Hey, this is what I ate for breakfast. That's probably going to do more for your business than posting an article about asbestos in your home. Like, I mean, I don't know for sure. Obviously it depends on the ad, but um, yeah, like it's just, I agree. Cause that's, I mean, that's definitely more relatable. It definitely shows you more as a person yeah, than just, you know, a company or a logo because people, people don't like to deal. People deal with people, especially in real estate or any professional services industry where relationships are the driver of the sale you know, and long-term relationships and, and nurturing and all of this, um, people don't buy from, from logos. They buy from faces. Right. Right. That's a very interesting distinction right there. Cause I know that I advise my clients, like you got your business, but then you also should create a public figure page. Cause like mm -hmm. you're saying they buy from faces rather than logos. Mm -hmm. Um, so if you were talking to a realtor that had literally no exposure or no audience, and I've seen this where they feel like, posting organically is a waste of time because there's nobody out there to read these posts. So even if you are posting engaging content, if there's nobody out there, um, it's irrelevant. So how would you advise somebody who has no digital presence to go about building an audience from zero from scratch? First thing I would say to do, so they, they may not have an audience, but they do have a target, right? So they, they know, have an idea of what their target audience is for a lot of times for real estate agents, it's their local market. Yeah. You know, but you could get, you could get a little more specific, whether it's, you know, residential, commercial, first time home buyers, people new to the area. I mean, you can get as specific as you want to. Um, so even though you don't have an audience right now, you do have a target audience. And right. a good way to do that is if you think about, a, okay, I like to put it in terms of a car. 
All right, so if you have a Ferrari on your left hand, right, on the left side, and on the right side you have, let's say, a, a 1980 Toyota Camry with flames on the side, you know, it yeah. just, it looks bad. <laughs> um, if, you, if you ask someone to choose between one of those two cars, more than likely they're going to choose the Ferrari. Yeah. And they're going to pay more for it than the Toyota Camry. You know, that's pretty obviously, I think everyone would agree with that. Now, inside the Ferrari, there's no engine. And inside the Toyota Camry, you know, you have a V10. Right. Just saying. That's the idea of perceived authority versus actual authority. Okay. The Ferrari, looking at it, you perceive it to be the faster, you know, the higher end ride. And the Toyota Camry, you look at, you know, it's like, that's an average car. Yeah. Okay. But in all actuality, that Toyota Camry is going to take you further faster than that Ferrari would with no engine or with a four cylinder. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, I do. That's a great analogy, actually. So I know the concept, but I don't think I've ever thought about it like this. I think it's really digestible like this. Yeah. Um, so that's the same way with, with any industry. So you now I work a lot with real estate agents, but what I, you know, my bread and butter is building personal brands for people, the yeah. people behind the business. So you could take real estate, you could take baking, you could take uh, appliance repair, you could take any industry and you could be the very best at it. Okay. Let's yeah. say you were an appliance repairman or you were a real estate agent you could be the very best. You can have the best process. You can have the best customer experience. You can have all these things. But if that's not perceived by your target audience and someone else in your market is, they're going to get the business. You know, someone else in your market right. could be average at all these things, but they have that perceived authority. Not only are they going to get your potential client, but the client is also going to pay them more than they would pay you. Right. So the, yeah. So the idea is, you know, I work with, with people who have actual authority, you know, not just the average, you know, everyday Joe, but, but people that, you know, do really good work that really take care of their clients that, that really provide this excellent customer experience. Yeah. And I help them build the perceived value so they can get paid what they're worth and they can stop sending those potential clients to, you know, Joe Schmo down the road. Right. Okay. I think that's, that's actually a really cool way of just kind of further your analogy a little bit more is that people are so focused on taking a V10 out of the Camry and putting it into another car and thinking that's going to make a difference. But you're saying that you're not going to do that. Instead, you're going to turn that Toyota Camry into a Ferrari. Like you're going to change the body a little yeah. bit. Exactly. Right? Yeah. We keep what's there, what's working. We work, you know, it's a lot easier to build the brand of someone who's already doing great things than it is to go into some, you know, slime ball or wherever you want to yes. call them and build up their brand. And they still provide, you know, subpar performance because what's that going to do? That's going to create unhappy clients, which is going to work against their brand. Right. Right. Okay, cool. Love the analogy. I'm going to use that for sure. Am I allowed to use that? <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. So, what do you think is the biggest barrier of entry for new realtors in terms of growing their digital presence? Like I want this episode. I know I, I told you beforehand, I wanted to tar I wanted to speak a lot about people who sort of have nothing, right? Cause a lot of these marketing uh, podcasts and, and, and episodes are all talking about like new strategies for people who have an audience kind of growing it a little bit bigger. So let's say somebody has nothing or let's talk about people who do have nothing. What is the biggest barrier of entry for them in terms of growing that presence? 
Um, I would say the biggest barrier of entry is the unknown. Yeah. So they don't, they don't know what the next steps are. They default back to what they've heard from other people, which is, you know, post all this nonsense on social media right. or build your website or put thousands of dollars into ads or, you know, just whatever they hear. They're yeah. not marketing experts. Uh, they may be marketing experts in terms of real estate and maybe really good at, you know, getting their houses out there. But as far as their brand goes and how they're going to drive sales and build relationships at scale moving forward, yeah. they're not experts. So I think a big barrier to entry is the unknown and some of them may take the leap on their own Yeah, and they don't do well because of that. And then it creates, you know, like a, like a bad taste in their mouth. Like, Oh, you know, social media doesn't work yeah. or whatever. I think that's a big barrier to entry. The other is, you know, maybe they think it's just super, super expensive or they're, they don't feel confident in themselves to where they feel like they deserve to put attention into building their own brand. I think there's a lot of things that go into it. Um, yeah. I also yeah. feel like for, especially for realtors, right? Cause they're in the service industry and as are we, is that I think maybe they can relate to when you have, for example, one marketer who's telling them for that for $200, they're going to get their name first on Google. Like obviously that's not going to happen unless they already have an amazing domain authority and everything's in place and they just need to, I don't know, I don't know, fix the sitemap or something like that. But that's odds are you're not going to rank for like $200 and one person selling that. And then on the other hand, they go to one of the bigger agencies that also says they could do it, but it's going to take months and it's going to take $4,000 a month, whatever it is. And I think there's such differing opinions and differing advice. And I think it's, it's almost like when you go to the mechanic, you kind of just hope that they're telling you the truth and that, and that, that they're not lying to you. And unless you can go with an expert that can smell out the BS you really are. You're at their mercy. You're at their whim. And I, and I find that a lot of the time it's just sort of easier for them to just go at it themselves, even though they know that they don't really know what they're doing, but at least I know I'm not being lied to. Right. Yeah. No, that's hundred percent. Transparency is huge. Um, what we do with our clients is we, everything that we do, we teach them first, or at least, you know, we give them the tools and the instruction and the training. And we have yeah. a course that we put them through to help them build their own brand to help them run their own social media ads to help yeah. like all these tactics that we do. I mean, it's, it's not some secret sauce. We're just experts in doing these tasks. Right. Exactly. Okay. Anyone can do this. You know why, if I'm talking to someone, why have you reinvent the wheel? I just say, Hey, here's what we do. Here's the course. Here's the instruction and the training. You go do that. And a lot of times they can, and they get to the point to where, Maybe they don't have time or maybe they're overwhelmed, you know, things like that. And we're yeah. here if, you know, if they need us. Yeah. But a lot of those companies that, that do that, you know, $200 will get you on the first page or, you know, you go in and get your brakes fixed at the mechanic shop and all of a sudden your engine's shot. And yeah. I mean, it's because people just don't know. Yeah. And people in those industries know that the customer doesn't know. So what we try to do is, um, instead of being secretive about what we do or how we do things or talk about it, like it's some, you know, magical thing that you got to push all these, you know, magical buttons. It's, it's not like that. We have a clear step-by-step -step strategy on what we do and how yeah. we approach things. And this is exactly how we do it. And we give that to our clients as a way to help them build 
their brand and see the value in what we're doing. The difference between them doing it and us doing it is that we've done it hundreds and hundreds of times. And we have, um, we built up efficiency and we, we know what to look for. Okay. Right. We, we, we tell our clients what to look for. We have the, you know, benchmarks and things that they need to look out for. But I mean, anyone can change a tire, but I would say an expert mechanic can change it a little faster, you know, and more efficiently than someone yeah. just reading out of a manual. You, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, for sure. And even if you could read it out of a manual, it's like some people would want to do that themselves, but it's not exactly unreasonable for someone to just say, I'd rather know that it's done professionally and know that it's done well. And in fact, it's, 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 it's really interesting that you're talking about that you have like this course and this process that you're showing them and that sort of transparency is one of the biggest things that I feel like marketers are up against. And, and it's less even that marketers are up against. It's more like our clientele are up against is that everybody is always offering this secret sauce and is always offering this new thing that nobody else knows. And it's not fair. You know what? I almost feel like I have a moral obligation to show people like who is the real deal and who is not. That's why on the show, everybody that I get or people that I know personally that I vetted them out and I know that they're the real deal. And if somebody ever calls me and wants to be on a show and said that they've got some new thing that nobody else knows, like I'm going to look into that and make sure that it is the real thing. So um, yeah, exactly. Like you're saying, like it's, it's refreshing speaking to people like you that understand that I don't want to quote Spider-Man here, but I guess it's uncle Ben, but like with great power comes great responsibility, right? Like, you know, stuff that other people don't know. And you also know that at any point in time, you could rip someone off. And that's, that's scary for people, right? So that's what's amazing. And, and, I, and I love that you have that responsibility and you have that accountability to know that it's not enough just to do it. You have to show them like, this is what I'm doing. And this is, this is where you're getting your money back. And this is where you, should, you need to be able to track all of that return on their investments. And I think that's the most important thing. Yeah, especially in an industry that's totally unregulated. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That that makes it hard. So I think I think transparency is what's going to separate the professionals from the amateurs. Yeah. And education that's what's going to separate the professionals from the amateurs, because yeah. uh, people, you know, people don't know. It's, uh, you know, customers they don't know. It's all new to them. Yeah. The only thing they have in common with the person on the other side of the sales table is money. Yeah. And obviously, they want to spend as little money as possible. Yeah. So you can have a smooth talking salesman that has the magic trick for 200 bucks and you can buy that. Yeah. Then it just, it sets you up for failure. People make that mistake all the time. Right. And I'm not saying you have to spend $10,000 to, to have any, any kind of success. I think what you should do is uh, just try to educate yourself on the process and yeah. ask like, you know, if you're going to hire someone really ask them these questions, like you're trying to understand and do it for yourself because that's, that's the only way, you know, whoever you're working with is going to be able to prove their metal is in, you know, full transparency. They have to have a strategy. They have to have a yeah. process. They can't fly by, you know, right. the wing of their pants because that's what anyone, that's what the customer would be doing, you know, if they did it themselves. Yeah, for sure. Uh, again, one more thing. I don't want to kind of beat a dead horse with this uh, responsibility that we have, but um, just going back to the responsibility. I remember I went to a mechanic once and he fixed something for me and it was such a simple fix. I had no idea what it was. I, I didn't know how much time it was. And I said, how much was it? And I said, no, it's just like I flipped a switch. Don't worry about that. And at one opportunity that he could have charged me 500 bucks and I wouldn't have blinked about it, you know? And he's like, no, it's okay. And that honestly, like I'm never going to anyone else, you know, I trust this guy. That's, yeah. that's um okay. So I wanted to ask you, 
you were speaking before about building a personal brand and that's sort of, that's how you go about it. That instead of just building the demand, this is what I like to say with myself also, because I do, I build the brand over the demand that instead of just building the demand, Hey, here's a house going by it. You're building the person's brand. Um, and I think that that's a, it's a really unique way of looking about it. Could you tell us a little bit more about that, particularly who it's for, how it works, what kind of realtor would benefit from this? Um, so there are a lot of realtors and not a lot of really good realtors. And I don't say that to, you know, to put anyone down, but just like in any industry, there are the, you know, top performers, they're average performers, and then there's low performers. Yeah. So building your brand is, is not something that happens in a day. It doesn't happen in a month. You know, it, it maybe it won't even happen in a year. It takes time. It takes effort. It takes uh, conscious strategy and willingness uh, to build something like that. So in my experience, there are a lot of realtors that who don't really put in the work anyway. Yeah. Not, not necessarily to build a brand, but I mean, even to network or to do a lot of these things. So building your personal brand definitely takes someone who's, who's highly motivated, loves what they do and uh, is not afraid of video or meeting new people. Okay. So it takes a certain type of individual. I feel anyone can build a brand, but you have to, you have to enjoy it or it's, it's just, it's going to show people are going to see right through it and they're not going to, yeah. uh, you know, want to work with you. Um, but a big part of building your brand is having a structured way of build of, cause everyone has a brand anyway, right? Right. Whether you're focusing on it or not, people, perceive you one way or another. And that is your brand. How people, when people hear Oliver Bohr, what do they think of? That's your brand. Yeah. You know, it's, that's just how it is. So building your brand is all about deciding how you want to be perceived and putting, you know, taking the steps to produce that types of content, to create those types of relationships and be around those types of people. Right. Because that way over time, people will start to, you know, they'll hear Wes Foster and they're going to think this rather than what the, you know, whatever they thought of previously. Right. So, you know, if I talk to people from my army days, they hear West Foster, they're going to think of me in the army. That's yeah. my brand to them. You know, so, so you got to get strategic with how you want to be perceived, be decisive. Um, so we have, you know, what's called the topic wheel. And what we do is, you know, with our clients, we, we have them choose six different areas of focus where they want to focus their content what kind of relationships they want to build. It could be, you know, it could be, you know, you want to be known as a, a father. You want to be known as a family, family man. You want to be known as an entrepreneur, uh, you know, a high performing real estate agent, you know, different things. Yeah. And, you know, we help them map out these topics and then people and content that goes along with those that way over time, consistently putting out, you know, this targeted content, you start to build people's perception Right. of you as a person. Right. So how would that, how would that differ? I suppose than a normal model of advertising. Well, well, a normal model of advertising is, or what a lot of people do, and this is where they make a mistake is they go immediately for the sale. They're yeah. putting out, you know, a lot of, you know, here, buy now, buy now. And people aren't ready to buy now. Yeah. Uh, in every form of marketing or, or sales, there's always a funnel, you know, there's a place in the funnel where people come in and at the bottom of the funnel is where they convert. Yep. So building your brand is essentially 
filling your funnel with people who know you. Yeah. So through targeted, you know, video ads on Facebook, for example, you, you put out this, you know, this content and you, you target it to who you're wanting to reach out to and you can gauge their engagement and retarget them later. So everyone that you're, you're going to eventually, you know, hopefully try and sell to by the time they're at the point of sale, they already know who you are. They already know that you are an authority and that you know what you're talking about because of the strategy. And by the time it gets to the sale, I mean, it's a no brainer for, for that client. Right. Like the way I, I described it actually in one of the first uh, episodes that I ever recorded. Uh, I think it was the second one. I think it's called relationships are better than leads is that there's two ways of going about it is that you can either go for the leads or go for building those long-term relationships. And the way I said it was a conversion or an attempted conversion, I suppose, with an ad saying, here's the product and just focusing only on that bottom of the funnel. That's what, that's what we call the one night stand. And I didn't, I didn't token this, but then going from the top of the funnel to the bottom of the funnel, that's called a marriage. Right. And they sort of bear their fruits for a lot longer. Um, and that's where when people just kind of focus on the bottom of the funnel and they're like, why am I striking out every time? It's like, you're just too aggressive with it, man. You, you know, you got to kind of nurture these relationships and, and it will happen over time. But you know, if you want to, if you want to make friends, don't go up to everybody and ask them to be your friend. Like, start doing good things, start putting good energy in the air and it'll happen. Yeah, exactly. And I think a lot of the top performing real estate agents do that already. Yeah. They're doing it in networking events and around their local communities. They're all the time getting out there to do these things. So taking that, those same ideas, those same tactics and applying it to social media allows you to do all of that, but at a much larger scale. Right. Okay. So I want to ask some questions about you and your experience. I know you've, you've, been through a lot and I don't know exactly how old you are, but you're young enough that you've uh, probably done more than a lot of other people that are your age. So what's the biggest challenge that you had to come specifically in the army? Uh, <laughs> biggest challenge. Um, I know I heard some pretty rad stories about you having to walk through the minefield and, and running your agency <laughs> from Afghanistan. So I'm, I'm let you decide which one's the biggest and the hardest challenge. Um, let's see outside of the, physical because that's a given you know there's physical demands it's you know it's very challenging outside of that on the mental side it's uh keeping a good attitude and staying motivated yeah in the army especially when you're deployed i mean you don't have you don't have an option you don't get to have bad days yes the mission you have to do it yeah there's i mean there's no no other choice i say that the about choices. parenting oh yeah parenting. <laughs> you don't want yeah. to put your kids to bed one night it's like Okay, you got to deal with them until three in the morning. Then it's like you don't get a choice; you don't get off. <laughs> exactly. But whenever you run your own business or you're a real estate agent, you have that choice. Yes. I mean, you always have the choice, but it's a lot easier when so much isn't on the line. Yeah. Where you can you can choose not to get up on time. You can choose not to call this lead. You can choose not to answer this email. You can choose, you know. So I think that was one of the biggest taking points or like the biggest, the most challenging thing in the army because everything's frustrating, aggravating, hot and sweaty and heavy. It's staying motivated and uh, keeping a good attitude and completing the mission. Yeah. No matter what. Okay. What's the biggest challenge you had to overcome in business? Biggest challenge in business really has been focus. Yeah. And I don't think I'm, I'm, I'm to the point now where I'm totally focused and you know, pinpointed in on exactly the one thing that, I'm, that, that I need to be focusing on. But I would say 
over time, one of the, one of the things that I think has directly impacted the success of my business or what I've been doing is my focus. My focus started out, you know, very, very wide yeah. and included so many different things. And over time, uh, maybe slower than it should have taken, uh, it's just narrowed and narrowed and right. narrowed even further. So I'm actually currently reading uh, uh, The One Thing by Gary mm -hmm. Keller based on your recommendation, actually. So, mm -hmm. I mean, he talks exactly about what you're saying and it's, it's so simple, yet it's so profound. And that, I find, is the most intuitive, simple pieces of advice and, uh, and um, direction, I find, have the biggest impact, which is exactly what you're saying. And it, and it doesn't help that everyone knows this. Everyone knows you need to niche down. Everyone yes. knows you need to focus. You know, the riches are in the niches. Everyone knows that. So that makes it harder because it's one yeah. of those things that you know, but you don't do. Yeah. You know? Yeah, and I found sure. that the more I've focused and the more I've said no to things that weren't in line with, you know, what my overall objectives and key results are, the, the slower things progress. And the more you, the, the quicker you focus and, you know, make a decision and stick with it, go 100% all yeah. out, the faster things happen. Right. It's actually a great segue because uh, one of my next questions is, is it more important to know how to say no or to say yes? I don't know. I've, I've heard a lot of different opinions on this a lot. You know, some people say the answer is always no, unless it's a heck yes, and then yeah. it's a yes. But I don't, I don't think that's necessarily true. It's like Marie Kondo when it comes to organizing your house. It's like, if it brings you joy, keep it. If it doesn't, oh, yeah. say goodbye. <laughs> if it sparks joy, I think that's what she said. Is says. that what it is? I never watched yeah. it. I'm just quoting someone else. But um, um, it's funny, when I saw it on Netflix, I was like, Marie Kondo, organize your house. Who is going to take the time to watch that? And like the next day I go on, it's like trending in Canada. Like everybody's watching this. Yeah, I watched one episode. Couldn't handle it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh Let's see. What was the question? Is it more important to know how to say no or yes? I don't think it's more important to one or the other, but I think it's important to be able to say no. Yeah. A lot of people can't do that. Right. Okay. What are you the most proud of in your life? The most proud? I know. I'm really making you run out here today. I have a lot to be proud of, you know? Yeah, for sure. I mean, listen, I, I know about you, what, what, what you tell me about you, but running a business and going to the army is a pretty freaking cool thing, you know? Yeah. Like, I mean, I also have, you know, beautiful wife and four kids. So. And that right. too. And I have a wife and kids too. So if you guys are listening to this, you guys are the most proud thing in my life as well. <laughs> Before yeah. I get into trouble. I mean, there's a lot, a lot to be proud of. I'm proud that, uh, I'm proud that I'm able to, you know, have an opinion yes and i'm proud that i'm able to say no and i'm proud that i'm able to uh just think for myself yeah i think a lot of people uh they just like to be told what to do and they like to be shown the way yeah and i'm proud that i am just a resourceful person and i like challenges and i like to learn and i like to figure things out so I don't know. It's a really hard question. Yeah, it's it a is a tough question. I got another one for you. If you could go back and talk to your 18-year-old self, what would you say? I would say definitely join the Army. Yeah. It was a good idea. Sooner rather it's, than later? Uh, 
Nah, I think I joined at the right time. Okay. Yeah, if I had joined sooner, probably wouldn't have uh, met my wife. Because that all kind of happened around the same time. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I would say focus. Focus first and, and focus on providing value yeah. rather than generating revenue. Yes. If you provide value, if you can keep customers, and I'm very, I'm very proud of this. Since 2008, we've kept 92% of our customers. We have a 92%. Wow. Uh, That's amazing. 12 yeah. years size also. Yeah. And we do that because we say what we're going to do. We're very clear about that. We always yeah. have been up front. Um, and I've always been very good at just, I mean, you have to be able to fire clients and right. fire prospects. You got to be able to say no early on instead of just chasing that money. But right. I mean, it's, it's easy to get, to get focused on, you know, revenue, revenue generated and not so much focus on value provided. And sometimes, you know, you'll start to think, you know, Hey, we could do this for cheaper, but where you should be focused on, Hey, we could do more for yeah. the same amount. Right. No, I got you. No, so, I, yeah, I know that a lot of, value. uh, a lot of what you do is you sort of are consistently looking at the um, metrics of any ad that you're running, right? Mm -hmm. And let's say if a client says you've got $300, let's say uh, uh, ad spend budget or whatever that number is, and you could run a couple of ads and call it a day. But then is that consistent metrics analysis action, like looking through it and making sure that you're optimizing every penny. Like there's no one monitoring you to make sure that you're doing that. Yeah. And that's sort of what you're saying is that, that that's so important to do, right? Mm -hmm. Is, is, there's no one watching you, but bring value before you try to find the value before you try to find that revenue. Right. Yeah. And for anyone out there looking for a marketer uh, or anyone starting a marketing campaign, number one thing you should definitely hammer down in the very beginning is the KPIs, the key performance indicators, you know, agree to what metrics you're going to be looking at, yeah. what metrics make it a success because if they can't provide these consistent metrics over time, then they can just, they can just pull whatever metric looks the best for that. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Um, okay. And last one of these questions is what is the most, in your opinion, what is the most important ingredient for success? Um, definitely honesty. Honesty. I had a feeling you were going to say focus. Yeah. Uh, if, if people can't believe you, then nothing yeah. else really matters. Right. Right. Again, so simple. Yeah. Um, okay. So we're going to play a little game here. A uh, couple of quick questions. This game is called what's better. Very simple. I ask you two things and you just tell me which one you prefer. Sounds good. Sounds good. Okay. Beach vacation or road trip? Road trip. Road trip or mountain retreat? What was that? Mountain retreat or road trip? Mountain retreat. Nice. What's your favorite sport? Football. Would you rather play it or watch it? Play it. Okay. What's your favorite team? Professional or? Well, give us both. Professionally, the Indianapolis Colts. Okay. Although I'm getting more and more favorable to Tennessee Titans, just the longer I'm in this area. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Dwight Freeney, Peyton Manning, Indianapolis yeah. Colts. Uh, and college, I would have to say Tennessee Vols. Okay, cool. Uh, beer or cider? What? Beer or cider? Ooh, not cider. No? <laughs> I 
Anything but cider. <laughs> I just started drinking it recently. I got to tell you, man, it's delightful. So you're a beer guy or more beer than cider. Whiskey or wine? Whiskey. Chocolate or candy? Hmm. Chocolate. Okay, now a couple of marketing ones. YouTube or podcast? YouTube. Uh, blogs or podcast? Podcast. Facebook or LinkedIn? Facebook. And lastly, Instagram or Twitter? Instagram. What about, uh, I'm going to ask a new one. Uh, what about Snapchat or TikTok? Snapchat. Yeah. Okay, so one more question, and this is uh, getting back into it. What is one actionable item that realtors can take with them from this episode? One thing that they can do. One thing that you can do is go to Facebook and create a public figure page for yourself as a realtor and start putting regular content there as a person, not as an automated MLS listing source. You don't want right. your page to look like an MLS listing. All right, go there, create your public figure page, have a professional photo, uh, invite all of your friends and everyone to like it, start sharing content on there, uh, make it personable and make it fun and let everyone know that you're a realtor, but also that you are a person. Okay, Wes, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate you being on the show. Tell me if, uh, if anybody wanted to find you or your company, how would they, how would they contact you? Uh, so you can learn more about me and send me all over uh, different social media platforms at westfoster.com. All the links are there. Uh, and if you want to learn more about my company, you can go to westfed.com. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Real Marketers Podcast. I hope you found it valuable. Your success is my success, so I really want to see you grow please share this podcast to other realtors that you think would benefit from it. And if you want to take your business to another level, go to boarddigital.com and book a time to talk. Otherwise, I'll see you next time.